1: It's Friday. You know what that means. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Richard Duggan in for Linda Swain. Today on News Talk, uh, Claudette Barnes is producing the program this afternoon. And uh, we got a few things that we're watching for you here in uh, in the VOCM newsroom. Of course, uh, as Claudette mentioned during the traffic update, we're watching that situation on Dirtle Drive in the Ghouls. Uh, no update has been issued uh, for a little while on that situation. But as soon as we have one, we will pass that along. Uh, I actually just reached out uh, to the RNC for an update. Update on that, so hopefully, we'll have that for you uh, sometime within the next hour. Um, we have a lot to get through on today's program, but first I want to check in with today's VOCM News question of the day. And today we asked, Do you agree with government's move to expand RNC jurisdiction on the West Coast? And some interesting results there for that so far. Uh, so there are three options to choose from. Uh, so far, 45% say only if they hire more officers. Uh, 38%. Saying Yes, and 17% saying no. Do you have an opinion on that? Well, there's still lots of time for you to go head on over to VOCM.com and have your say on today's VOCM news question of the day. And we're actually going to dive into that story. Uh a little bit deeper later on in the program, we have some reaction uh, to share with you uh, to the news that the RNC will be expanding on the West Coast. We're going to hear from the RNC Association, and we're also going to hear from the Mayor of Cornerbrook on that news. That's all coming up in the uh, the, the second half of this show, uh, just after the 4.30 news. Um, but first, uh, a little bit of a heartwarming story we're going to start off with on today's program. Earlier today, um, I had the opportunity to head down to the G. Janeway, where they opened up their, or they officially opened their brand new smile zone area, um, which is down in the, like, the, the uh, physiotherapy unit of the Janeway. And uh, they have all these nice murals and paintings. That's basically meant, you know, to give children sort of a, a happy space and sort of one where they can have a little bit of joy while they're going through such a difficult battle for some of them, um, so they officially opened that today, and uh, there's a big celebration at the Jane where there they were um, uh, musical performances from Justin Fancy and just a lot of smiles from people, so uh, we're going to take you back to some of that uh, announcement here now um, in this chunk, and we'll have a little bit more from this announcement a little bit later on as well. We'll hear first from Mary Slade, who's with the Department of Health with the province, then We'll hear from Ron Johnson, who's the COO of the Eastern Urban Zone with the Health Authority. And then finally, uh, we'll hear from uh, Smile Zone co founder and co chair, Scott Batchley.
2: It's inspiring to see so many people here today. Thank you to the Smile Zone Foundation team and Ms. Party for your dedication and commitment. What a beautiful job you've done renovating the physiotherapy department. The new paint, murals, storage cabinets, and bench seating creates a warm and welcoming healthcare experience for our young patients. These renovations are creating positive energy for the staff and patients. Thank you for supporting the Smile Zone Foundation and making tough days a little brighter for children receiving treatment here at the Janeway. We're always amazed at the generosity in supporting the Janeway Children's Health and Rehabilitation Center. You're an inspiration to us all today. This project means children will receive treatment in a modern and welcoming environment. Thank you to all the healthcare professionals, especially staff here today. Your impact is felt and is appreciated. And again, thank you to the Smile Zone Foundation and everyone help who helped to make these renovations happen today.
3: It's, it's certainly a pleasure to be here, and thank you, Mrs. Party, for, for your gift. Uh, it really makes a big difference, and I walked through the unit myself uh, last week and it put a smile on my face, so thank you. So a Smile Zone is a place where our youngest patients and families can be themselves. It's a mentally, physically, and emotionally safe place, a source of comfort, a place of belonging for patients as they navigate their healthcare journey. For this project, the Smile Zone Foundation supported cosmetic upgrades to the phys- physiotherapy unit at the Jane Lane. I'd like to specifically point out the wonderful murals, and you'll all get to see them shortly as you go on a tour. Our hope, you know, in those murals that patients could see themselves in it, And I know from looking at it, I I certainly got that from it. So, really excellent work. It was made possible by the gift from uh, Miss Party uh, on behalf of her late husband. And, you know, we we really thank you. Thank you very much. So, as a board member, I get to see, you know, all the impacts that these gifts uh, make. Uh, I had the pleasure of being on the telethon uh, not that long ago in June. And you can really see the difference, right? Like the government provides a lot of, uh, a lot of funding and a lot of great things, but we couldn't, we couldn't do it without the gifts from, from donors like the Smile Zone Foundation, from individuals and others. You know, it makes the difference. It, what, it's sort of, you know, it's what makes our care excellent, and, and I thank you for that. So I'm continuously impressed by the level of support we receive from our local community and donors, and, and this is from a different part of the country, which is really special. So thank you. So patient and families, we have a family here today like the Stamp Andersons, Adina, Landon, and Xander. So it's so nice to see you, and we're really looking forward to hear you speak. So to conclude, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank our dedicated healthcare professionals. We have a lot of them here in the room. And we're really lucky that our staff are really involved in the work of the Janeway Foundation. They take pride in it. So it makes a difference. It helps us with recruitment. It helps us with retention. So we really look forward to welcoming people to this new unit as we do a tour today. And so once again, thank you very much for your generosity.
4: This is a very special day for Smile Zone. And on behalf of our board of directors, I'd really like to thank you for inviting Smile Zone to Newfoundland. This is our first build in Newfoundland. We're excited to be here. And I think we're going to be back for many more because Newfoundlanders are just open-hearted people. And I know they like to give back. And we're always willing to come back and do more work on behalf of Smile Zone. Due to COVID-19, the past few years have been very difficult for charities, businesses, but in particular, our healthcare organizations. Uh, You know, everything was put on pause for a couple of years. Smile Zone, no no different. And I know the hospital organizations had a very difficult time with COVID. And uh, we're proud to say that we're back building Smile Zones every month again, uh, after a couple of years of hiatus, but we're back up and running. A smile Zone started a few years ago, about 10 years ago to be exact, and Adam Graves, who played in the NHL, won a couple of Stanley Cups. Not as good a hockey player as I, but he, no, I'm just sorry. Uh But uh, Adam and Violet Graves, my wife Jackie and I, we started a foundation because we were asked to donate money to Oakville, Ontario's new hospital. And we, we had some meetings, we said, why only Oakville? We wanted to give back to, and it had to be about children for children and a benefit to children. So Adam, when he played for the Rangers, he did a lot of work in hospitals in the New York area and then he played for San Jose and did a lot of hospital work in in, in the California region. And what they do in the U.S. is totally different than what we do here because they have privatization and and they really spend a lot of money on the environment that their kids are treated in. We don't do that in Canada. So we started this charity called Smile Zone and we said, oh, why only Oakville? We want to reach out to communities large and small and and we want to bring uh, uh, smiles to children's faces. And our vision has no boundaries. It's a very simple concept. And our philosophy is every child deserves a smile. Our very first build was in Mississauga, Ontario in 2013 and over the last 10 years we've built over 350 smile zones in in Ontario and across Canada. Uh, We started in 2019 our first venture outside of Ontario, we did Calgary, Alberta. Uh, In the last year we've done Halifax, Manitoba, Saskatchewan and now Newfoundland. We also have sites coming up in New Brunswick, BC and Quebec. By the end of 2024 we envision that we'll be in every province across Canada. Smile Zone does not change the way we, our children are treated. What we are able to provide is equip, equipment, and we don't actually provide equipment and rehabilitation options, but what we are able to do is change the environment that our children are treated in. We found that by adding vibrant colors, custom murals, gamification, and technology, it's a much more enjoyable experience when our children attend for treatment. We take pride knowing that each zone is customized, accessible, and designed for the children at each center we pre-plan and make sure that the small zones are completed over one weekend. So this is no different. Our crews flew in from Ontario and we did it in one weekend. <clears throat> I get to hear some great great success stories across the land. And I'll just give you one touching example that resonates with me. And it, we did the cancer uh, clan up in Sudbury, Ontario a few years ago. And on a weekend we go there and we We blew out the the children's cancer and oncology area, and Monday morning, a little five-year-old girl comes in and says, mommy, mommy, I wanna go in the mermaid room to get her chemotherapy treatment. Envision how difficult it is having a five-year-old with cancer. It's unthinkable for me, but then this child has to go and get chemotherapy all the time, and it's a force to take, get them in the case room and get it done. And, and now this little girl says, I want to go in there. So psychologically, it's so much stronger for the parents and the grandparents and the siblings, but also for the staff, the doctors and nurses. It's just a much easier place to, to treat the kids. So that's the goal it's just to make it a better environment. But now I want to tell you a very special story. This is touching to me. This is very Canadian, very Canadian. Last summer, we built smile zones in Brandon, Manitoba, and the people that donated the smile zones live in Oakville, Ontario. They grew up in Brandon. They said we want to give back to our family, our home. We haven't been there in 30 years, but we want to give back to to Brandon. So we go, we do these smile zones in Brandon, Manitoba, in the Pediatric Ward. And Nick Javor, or one of our board members, invites Rhonda Party, who's a Tim Hortons franchisee in Brandon. Rhonda Party comes there, and she. Walks through the pediatric ward and says, what a great concept. I'd like to do something in Newfoundland. So here we've got a family from Ontario donating to a, fa- to a hospital in Manitoba, and a family, that, or a business owner, actually her family's all from down here, but she's a business owner in, in Brandon, Manitoba, donating to St. John. I think that is the most Canadian thing I've ever seen. And I'll tell you, not many places in the world would do that. And thank you. All. In closing, I've run a successful construction company for the last 40, 45 years. I'm actually retiring on that, but now SmileZone's taking my space. But I can tell you one thing. SmileZone's the most rewarding and fulfilling thing I've done in my entire life. I'm humbled to be part of SmileZone, but what I've learned over the last 10 years that we get to meet great people in this this healthcare organization. They're the heroes. We walk in, we do it in a weekend. These people, the nurses and doctors and the clinical staff, they give their lives to our kids. They're there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they're the true heroes in life. And for that, I can't thank you enough. Thank
1: you. And there you go. Those are some comments from Mary Slade, uh, Ron Johnson, and Scott Batchley at that announcement earlier today at the Janeway. Uh, We're going to continue this conversation coming up now in a couple of minutes after the break, and we'll hear uh, some more of the really passionate um, comments that were made at that announcement this morning at the Janeway. All that's coming up right after this.
0: Start your day off right. Get the latest updates on news, traffic, and weather conditions. Plus, interviews with today's newsmakers. Your go-to source before you get on the go. 5.30 to 9 a.m. weekdays, your VOCM mornings.
1: And welcome back. Richard Duggan in with you this afternoon. Alright, we're going to continue now with our coverage of the opening of the Smile Zone area now in the Janeway. Uh, And we're going to continue our coverage now by having a listen to some more of the comments that were made at that event earlier. Uh, We begin with Rhonda Party, whose family uh, has made the donation that helped make this happen in memory of her late husband uh, Craig. Then we'll hear from Colleen Jones Down of the Physiotherapy Department. And finally, we're going to hear from the mother of One of the kids um, who will be taking advantage of the new Smile Zone. That's Adina Stamp. Uh, We're going to hear some of those comments right now.
5: I couldn't be more proud to be here today with my son Brad and his wife Mackenzie, my daughter Taylor and her fiance Devin, and their children Peyton and Lucas, my brother Alan, my mother-in-law Betty, and all of Craig's family, my family. Um, to open Newfoundland's first smile zone in memory of Craig. I was fortunate enough to be married, as many of you know, because we have most of our special friends here, to the silliest, most loving man (laughs) whose life mission was to make everybody smile and laugh. Um, We picked up 30 years ago and moved from Newfoundland to join my family in Manitoba with a desire to find business and opportunity there. And we did that with Tim Hortons, thankfully. And it has grown and it has succeeded. And when we lost Craig, I have been looking for something to honor him in this province. And like Scott said, it fell into my lap last summer. And walking through that hospital in Newfoundland, in Manitoba, sorry, in Brandon, and seeing how refreshed it was, and then listening to the donor family and then they just capped it off by listening to the staff and then some of the patients. I knew right then and there that I had found, I had found what was going to happen in Newfoundland. I knew what I was going to do instantly. Um, uh, Scott, I can't say thank you enough. Jackie's not here, she's Scott's right hand. She's received about 180 emails from me at all areas of the day and night saying, I have an idea, I have an idea. And as you walk through the smile zone today, for anyone who knew Craig, you will see little bits of Craig throughout there. There's cars that he got so much trouble for while he was alive, (laughs) everywhere. And there are snowmobiles, and there is, it's just happy, happy place. And I walked through early this morning and had my moment and had a bunch of hugs with the staff that were there and them thanking me and my kids for doing this in Newfoundland. And at the end of the day, um, you know it's funny how life comes full circle. A piece of my heart has never left Newfoundland. Um, My son married a new girl. (laughs) My brother is now the new owner of Canadian Tire on Kelsey Drive, so please shop there. <laughs> um, and here we are 30 years later back in Newfoundland honoring Craig through a Smile Zone. And you know, we made a commitment because we waited five years with an application with 267 other approved applicants, wanting a Tim Hortons and Brandon. We waited five years, and in that five years, We prayed and we pleaded and we begged. We did it all just for the opportunity. And we said if we got that opportunity and we made ourselves successful, which we did, that we would give back. And we have lived our lives doing that. And I think today with this smile zone, I follow up on that commitment. (laughs) And Craig's legacy continues with spreading joy. So I can't wait for you all to see it. I am excited to be making a difference to families here, and will for a long time. And for his family, he's never gone. So thank you all for being here, sharing this. We're excited about it. and. Um, Yeah, I just am happy to make a difference here in Newfoundland because this is where our heart is. We're so
6: happy that everybody could be here today to join us for this. Uh, We're thrilled with the results, absolutely thrilled. Um, We were actually joking this week, you know, around the office, you know, we have company coming. (laughs) In true Newfoundland style. Guys. We got company coming. We got to wear our nice clothes. We got to make sure the floors are nice and clean. <laughs> but when I think about that, it really just reflects on how we all feel about the Janeway, right? It's our home to some degree. We spend many, many, many hours here and we love absolutely love and take such pride in the work that we do here for the children. Um, and we sat back and thought, and we actually have many of our therapists have over 20 years of experience here at the Way. That's many, many hours inside the, the walls that are now, beautiful walls. <laughs> um, so on behalf of our first floor physiotherapist, occupational therapist, music therapist, recreation therapists who share the space uh, that you're all going to see today, welcome to every one of you. We're so happy to have you and your family here as well. Um, We're thrilled that our area was chosen for this beautiful small zone renovation. As therapists who work with children, we really strive to create a warm, inviting, and fun experience for the children and families that we serve. And now we have a physical space that reflects that feeling. The walls are beautiful and bright colors, and initially we were like, ooh, that's really bright, but now we're like, oh, it's so bright and beautiful. We love it. <laughs> uh, and the artwork in the murals, you're just going to absolutely love it. Uh, the artists with Small Zone really did a wonderful job incorporating, incorporating sorry the essence of the work that we do here in physiotherapy with images of children of all abilities achieving their physical best. In one of the rooms, you'll notice a butterfly theme. Um, and the transition from a caterpillar to a butterfly. And we thought, what better symbolism for the work that we do here. We really help children be their best. Uh, We love the Newfoundland and Labrador theme, incorporating local familiar landmarks like Jelly Bean Row, lighthouses, and all the other sea life. And we know that someone else would love that as well. And the final package is just perfect, making it so inviting for our children and their families. And really that's what this is all about. So we have many people to thank for making this happen. Of course, we want to thank all of the um, folks from infrastructure and the painters who scurried and scurried to get all the last-minute lines just right. Um, and, of course, to Scott and everyone at Smile Zone. we want to thank you and your team for working so hard and so patiently <laughs> with us to get this just right because we really wanted it to be just right. It's our space, and we love it.
1: And there you have it. That was just some of uh, the announcement from earlier today at the Janeway. Again, they opened up their brand-new Smile Zone uh, location. That was Rhonda Party, uh, who you heard a a few minutes ago. Uh, They made the donation uh, to help make this a reality in memory of her late husband, uh, Craig, who passed away back in 2016. And uh, then we just heard from Colleen Jones down of the physiotherapy department uh, talking about some of the benefits that's going to be there for uh, some of their patients and I can tell you from being there earlier today it's ab- absolutely beautiful and more so than that um, you know I got to speak with uh, the mother of one of the children who will be going back and forth uh, to that unit at the Janeway, uh, Adina Stamp and i uh, It 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 really like to see the impact that uh, something like this can have on their family and the joy that can bring to them. uh, It's it's really is it's truly something special. And uh, I did interview Adina, and uh, we'll have that interview for you um, this coming Monday morning on your V O C M mornings with uh, Jerry Lynn Mackey. So be sure to stick around for that uh, this coming Monday. All right, we are up against news time now with Sarah Strickland. But when we come back, we're going to get into some reaction to the story that we brought you yesterday about uh, the RNC uh, expanding their reach in western Newfoundland. That's coming up after the news with Sarah.
0: Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News talk on your VOCM.
1: And welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Sarah. Now we're going to continue right along. We still have a lot to get through on today's program. The provincial government has announced a major expansion of the Royal Newfoundland Constabulary's jurisdiction on the west coast of the province. The enhanced jurisdiction will now encompass communities in the Bay of Islands, Massey Drive, and the Humber Valley, reaching as far east as Pasadena. Staff Sergeant Mike Summers is president of the Royal Newfoundland Constabulary Association. He spoke with your VOCM morning Co-host Jerry Lynn Mackey earlier today about the news. Well,
7: I, I think it's a, a positive thing. You know, we're we're really excited about the expansion. Um, as was said yesterday, it's the first time that we've expanded since 1986 when we moved out to Corner Brook. Um, in the early 80s, we also moved up into Labrador and everything, and and those jurisdictions are working well for us. And I believe our members and the residents are happy in those areas with the with our service. So, you know, I'm looking forward to it.
8: And what does it signal to your members?
7: Well, I, I I believe it signals to the members that the government has the uh, you know the faith and the trust and and certainly the confidence uh, not only in the RNC but certainly in our members to uh, to to do a very professional uh, job and serve the residents of. Newfoundland and Labrador and the jurisdictions that we cover uh, to provide them with a, like I said, a highly trained and and very competent uh, police service.
8: And, I mean, how concerned are you about the recent increase in, in the crime severity index for Newfoundland and Labrador? it's
7: certainly a concern you know I believe it's a concern not only of, of the uh, the police department and our members and everything but certainly a concern for our management and government and, and the residents um, if you look at that report that was put out by uh, Statistics Canada uh, the the crime severity index nationwide was around 4% I do believe for Newfoundland and Labrador the the crime severity index rose by 6% and in the greater St. John's metro region, it was, was 19%. Um, so, you know, that's a, a major concern to us. Uh, it's our members who have to go out on a daily and nightly basis and respond to those calls. And the all you have to do is look at the news any evening or every morning and, and see what's been happening Um uh, over, over this, these last few years, and that the, uh, the severity of those crimes, be it uh, armed robberies, uh, uh, shootings, that sort of, type of thing, they're, they're all on a rise. So that is concerning to us.
8: And how is the RNCA addressing the challenges that are posed by the rise in the crime rates?
7: Well, you know, we're, we're always in discussions with management as to trying to f- come up and find ways to, to deal with the issues, be it, uh, you know, through specialized sections or teams, uh, you know, trying to find ways to become more proactive, probably in the way that we police. A lot of those things, though, would take, uh, you know, an increase in our membership, which we were always advocating for also. But, uh, you know, I also believe that you, you need to look at some of the underlying areas. I think we need to look at it in a, in a holistic sort of type manner and, and even get other governmental departments involved, whether or not it's Eastern Health or Department of Social Services and, and that sort of type thing, and, and see what are some of the underlying areas. Uh, obviously, you know, drugs in the city is certainly a... Uh, update factor when when you look at a lot of these crimes so we need to to look at it in a a very holistic manner and, and see how we can deal with it
8: i'm speaking with president of the royal newfoundland constabulary association that's staff sergeant mike summers and and staff sergeant what are the rnca's advocacy efforts for increasing the number of police officers for the rnc
7: well, we, we, like I said earlier, we're um, always in consultation and collaboration with management. We've been in talks with uh, the provincial government and certainly various stakeholders. Uh, we've been in touch with a lot of the municipalities and, and cities that we we police. Uh, just to get their idea of what they foresee in the future with regards to their communities. Do they see uh, their communities expanding, the population growing, that sort of type of thing? Um, as you've heard the government say over the last little while, uh, I believe last year or the last couple of years, has been the first time that the population of Newfoundland and Labrador has increased in, in decades. And, and most of that increase in the population is in the jurisdictions that we police. So, you know, we're, uh, we're always in talks with them to, and, and advocating that we need more resources, and not only personnel, but resources such as vehicles, equipment, training for our officers, that sort of, type of thing. Um, and we are in the process of doing up a proposal to bring forward the government uh, with statistics. And that, cause we'd like to be at, at least at the national piece to population ratio or, or certainly even above would be, would be great, but we'd certainly like to be at that national average.
8: Yeah, how will additional resources enhance the RNC's ability to provide professional and, and highly trained police services?
7: Well, you know, I, I believe that certainly more, more officers um, out on the road would, uh, would uh, assist, you know, if we had more officers out on, on, the, uh, on the roadways, um, patrolling the areas, uh, hoping to be able to be a bit more preac- uh, sorry, proactive in, in, in uh, fighting crime um but you know you look at the other areas too such as the advancement in in technology and all that um you know we need to be able to stay on top of that with regards to the equipment and training that we have for our officers um we need to we need to be able to stay on top of that if you if you look at um the investigations that our officers have to do these days when it comes to like I just said, all the different technology, be it cell phones, recording devices, um, different scams that around the go we just heard over the news last few days with regards to this cash trap thing that's happening at the uh, the ATMs. Um, you know, so when when we talk about resources, we're not only talking about personnel, which would certainly be a a, a great um, thing for us to have would be to have more officers, but you need to look at also. The ways of staying, um, I guess, one step ahead of the, uh, the criminal element out there, and, and being able to fight it and and uh, stay stay on top of them.
1: That was RNC Staff Sergeant Mike Summers speaking with VOCM's Jerry Lynn Mackey about the RNC expanding their reach on the west coast of the province. Continuing with, net, uh, with that reaction now, uh, we have Corner Brook Mayor Jim Parsons. He was on VOCM open line with Patty Daly this morning to talk about the effects on the west coast city. Here's some of that conversation.
9: So what do you know that maybe we do, don't do know? Uh, conversations with the province and or the RNC about how we can adequately police more more, ge- more geographical footprint with possibly no real measurable addition of human resources
10: yeah and uh, Patty, my under- my first thought was the same thing when you do expand those services, where are they going to come from? But my understanding is that there is uh, this is uh, essentially there is going to be additional personnel added to uh, to the cornerbrook area. Um, uh, I think that there's a, a you know cost savings potentially on, on fees paid to the RCMP per- perhaps, but that'd be a question for, for the minister.
9: And there, I mean, this is not to criticise for the sake of criticising, but like when the minister was asked yesterday, no additional money planned for upcoming budgets for this expansion. They did refer back to the RNC uh, allotment went up a million dollars last year, and they will indeed uh, increase the force by some ten officers as part of that money. There was talk of a. Additional funding for vehicles and some nuts and bolt stuff, and I guess that's where the devil lies in the details here. Is how many more RNC officers can be recruited, can be put in place to accommodate this expansion? I was just wondering if you had more details than we do.
10: No, I don't have any inside knowledge on that, but I do understand that there are going to be additional resources coming out of the Corner Brook office. Uh, to, uh, to, uh, to deal with this. Uh, you know, it, I, I don't see it necessarily as a problem as long as the local resources are there. Obviously, we, uh, we rely heavily on uh, our RNC here in the city, um, it's uh, you know it, it, there's changing needs for that uh, for our police force here I think it is good that these communities are going to get uh, you know a local stable uh, a police presence and that uh, you know I'm sure that the RNC could do a great job doing that uh, I do have that concern to make sure that we aren't watering down what we do have because we do need the RNC we do need a, a strong stable presence in our communities so yeah it, it is something that overall if it is a matter of oh, okay is coming out of the amount that the province pays for RCMP services and moving into the RNC budget, great. Uh, again, I'm not uh, privy to those specific details, but I do expect and I, I am, I do understand that it means additional people working here at Cornerbrook.
1: And there you have it. That is Cornerbrook Mayor Jim Parsons and his reaction to the RNC uh, expanding their jurisdiction on the west coast of the province, expanding out of Cornerbrook and to uh, more of the region. Now, before we go to the break, I understand, Claudette, uh, you have a note about a missing dog.
11: Yeah, so I was just uh, speaking with the owner. My heart always goes out because I've been in this situation before. So uh, there's an owner named Todd who is currently in the Paradise area looking desperately for uh, his girlfriend's dog I believe who has been missing for at least an hour. Uh, the dog is kind of skittish because it was just adopted recently. It's getting used to the surroundings. Um just been adopted from the SPCA about a week ago. So the dog is Layla. It looks like a shepherd but it's only 31 pounds so it's much smaller. Uh, it is a black and brown dog with a little bit of white on a couple of paws. About a year old answers to the name Layla and what's uh, what will make Layla identifiable is uh, Layla still has her gray and pink uh, collar and leash still on her so she's going around the Paradise area somewhere they're currently looking on Topsail Road toward Paradise near the finish line sales area and the Waterford Valley Park and if you happen to see a dog going around with a collar and a leash please uh, let Todd know you can call us here at VOCM we'll connect you at 273-521 or you can call Todd at 727-0212.
1: There you go, folks. If you're in the Paradise e- uh, area, keep your eyes out for Layla. Let's get this dog uh, home nice and safe to her family. Um, all right, we're going to take our final break of the day here now on News Talk. And When we come back, we're going to head out to the picket lines uh, with the striking workers at Cabot Ford Lincoln here in St. John's. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: Your voice in Newfoundland and Labrador's biggest conversation.
12: If you want to know what's happening in New problems. Tune in to Open Line every day.
0: Have your say weekday morning starting at 9 a.m. on Open Line with Patty Daly on your VOCM.
1: And welcome back to the program. Richard Duggan in with you this afternoon. Uh, now we're going to head out to the picket lines because the president of Teamsters Local 855 says striking workers are ready to dig in for the long haul as they look for better wages and compensation from the management at Cabot Ford Lincoln on Kemmount Road. The workers have been on strike since Wednesday. Um, I dropped by the picket line earlier today to speak with President Roger Spracklin.
13: So unfortunately, th- this strike has been a bit of a long time coming. Uh, the collective agreement. We got two groups on the picket line right now, two separate bargaining units, the technicians in the shop and the parts department employees. Both have been without a contract since October of 2022. Uh, negotiations were pretty much stagnant for all of the winter due to the employer just not wanting to come to the table. And we finally filed for conciliation once spring came and even that was a slow slug at getting through anything. So- so by the time we were in a legal position to take a strike vote, both groups had had enough with the delays, and we, we we're, we're had enough of the poor mouth coming from the employer. We're not being unreasonable in what we're looking for here. As I've mentioned many times, uh, everybody understands where the cost of living has gone lately. Uh, outside of that, the cost of food and fuel have taken on a life of their own, uh, and, and people are struggling to make ends meet. We're not even asking for enough to keep up with the cost of living, but we're asking for a little bit better than the status quo. This dealership wants to stick with numbers that we negotiated in the middle of a global pandemic, and they feel like those numbers are still suitable today. And these two groups are saying, absolutely not. We need a little bit more to make ends meet. Uh, we're having issues with a reasonable tool allowance. We're having issues with sick days. Uh, there's no RSP available for any form of retention or retirement for these employees. And enough is enough. We know the dealership can easily afford the bit that we're looking for and they just flat out refuse to negotiate or come to meet our terms in a reasonable matter and, and the group's had enough. I had two very strong strike votes come from both of these individual
1: groups on Wednesday morning and they've had enough. Something needs to change. So you've been out on the picket lines here for a couple of days now. How's morale, and and what are you hearing from the employees that are out here?
13: Everybody is really pumped. Uh, Everyone, nobody wants to be on a picket line, and and I can tell you, speaking as a president of a union, we don't like to see our members on a picket line, but it's our God-given right, and sometimes we're given no other place to go. If the employer refuses to be reasonable at the negotiating table, what else can we do? Are you hopeful that a resolution can be found quickly? Always, This union always has been and always will be uh, in agreement to come to the table whenever it's necessary. But, you know, uh, we finally did get a little bit of talk happening in in the 11th hour, but it wasn't nearly enough to satisfy what's on the table. But at the end of the day, if the employer is willing to come back to the table and talk her way through this, we will never say no to getting back to the table. We want a resolution as quickly as anybody else does, but we're not going to be bullied back to work and we're not going back to birth work for pennies we need better how many employees are out on the picket line so we have 20 technicians with families and we have nine parts personnel with families so we have 20 or eight pardon so we have 28 people in total on this picket line and uh, we need to get back to work however if things don't change we're going to dig in for the long run and we're not going away until we get a reasonable resolution
1: And there you have it. That's Roger Spracklin from the picket line earlier today um, outside of Cabot Ford Lincoln. Again, staff there have been on strike since Wednesday. Um, All right. We have just enough time now for one more piece here on the program. And this is one that I know that our listeners in Labrador will be interested in uh, because the community of Forteau is getting a new community center. Transportation Infrastructure Minister John Abbott announced the funding for the project in the town yesterday, and he's been touring around parts of Labrador all week. Um, and this was part of that tour. So I spoke with Abbott as well as Labrador Affairs Minister Lisa Dempster about the project.
14: Well, Richard, uh, I'm up here in the Labrador Straits area this week uh, to meet with uh, uh, local community leaders and to talk about their infrastructure needs, uh, along with the MHA for the district, uh, for Cartwright's and uh, Clear, uh, Lisa Dempster. And part of the uh, the discussions we're having is what uh, our needs are in terms of water and sewer, roads, and certainly recreational uh, facilities and community centres. So we are looking at that as part of our infrastructure planning and programming and funding for the past, uh, past while, and we're in a good position uh, this week. Uh, to be able to announce some new funding for the community of Porto, and they have put in an application for a multi-use community center, and uh, we've been able now to agree on the funding for that, and we're going to be announcing that uh, at a community event uh, this evening.
1: How much money is uh, being allocated?
14: (laughs) Well, the overall project is around $2.5 million. Uh, the provincial share was roughly one, just over $1.3 million, uh, and the town will uh, make up the difference.
1: And, Minister Dempster, I'll bring you in now. Um, how needed is this? Oh, my
12: goodness. Uh, I would say in in all of our little communities dotted along the coast in Labrador, remote and some remote isolated, the community centers exist as really the core of the community. Everything happens there from uh, a wedding, uh, senior socials and suppers, uh, dirt tournaments, any time officials are going through, there's meetings held within the communities, and generally, way they're structured in most of our communities. It's where the municipalities, they own and operate and oversee them as well. So extremely valued. We don't have and we recognize that we cannot have all of the services and amenities that you have in larger cities. But for folks, for the physical and mental well-being, we need to have these centers in place to allow people to gather for uh, different activities. So this is something that the municipality of Forto have been reaching out to the province looking for funding to support for a number of years. There's always a long list of needs and uh, when you look at our um, funding formulas, Water and sewer is, is always the highest priority, but there's some towns that are need to get their roads done and need community centers, and now we're in a position where we're able to address some of that. So I'm absolutely delighted to have my colleague, Minister Abbott, up here. We've covered an awful lot of ground, a uh, smaller population, but spread over a large landmass, just like, like uh, Labrador in and of itself, from from Nain to Lancicleer and Lab City in the West. But uh, we've been sitting down with municipal leaders in Southeast and in the streets, and uh, uh, we'll do another small announcement tomorrow, actually, while we're up there. But this is a big one. It's going to be really well received. And uh, I would argue one of the busiest community centers uh, right across the district.
1: And there you have it. That was uh, Transportation and Infrastructure Minister John Abbott as well as Labrador Affairs Minister Lisa Dempster discussing uh, that announcement in the town of Fort Toe yesterday. They're getting a new community center, which will uh, undoubtedly be welcome news for people in the area. And that just about does it for us here on the program for not just today but for this entire week. And I guess a lot of people now saying TGIF. Claudette, are you excited for the weekend?
11: I am very much excited, although um, I think the people who are really, really excited are going to be those who are attending the Churchill Park Music Fest. Oh, yeah. I just looked at, uh, on uh, Twitter, I think they call it X now, um, (laughs) Beth (laughs) Fagan has uh, has been uh, sending a picture out and uh, saying that uh, you might want a little bring a raincoat anyway, but it looks like the weather is favorable, but she said bring a raincoat. Uh, But along with the Churchill Park Music Fest, um, they also have the biggest blueberry festivals on this weekend.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, I've never actually been out to the Briggis uh, Blueberry Festival, but I know people who have, and I've heard that it is absolutely amazing.
11: I can only imagine the population of the town this weekend. It's (laughs) going to be just tens of thousands, I would suspect.
1: Oh, yeah. I would imagine so, too. Um, Just a note on the Churchill Park um, Music Festival stuff. I saw someone posted the Twitter earlier today. Um, They live in those big apartment buildings that just went up in Churchill Square. With
11: a great vantage point.
1: Yeah, and this guy lives up on the sixth floor, and he can see the entire park from there. So, pretty much a free concert for him.
11: He should charge admission to his friends.
2: (laughs) I'll tell you what, Ricky, I bet you'll have one hand in his pocket next weekend and the other one will be showing a peace sign.
1: (laughs) Gotta love Sarah Strickland. (laughs) Amazing. I love that. Uh, VOCM Sarah Strickland making a guest appearance on the show today (laughs) getting in with the song references I love it and that's a reference to Alanis Morissette by the way who is next weekend Mm -hmm. uh, at Churchill Park Music Festival and I actually have tickets for the Friday night show you do I am super excited
11: Friday is sold out yes you're so lucky
1: yeah we uh, so uh, my wife is a huge fan Uh so she really wanted tickets so we were one of the thousands in the virtual lineup on the day that they went on sale and we were waiting it must have been about 40 Five minutes before we were able to actually purchase them so very high demand
11: and happy wife happy life that's a good way to end the show
1: (laughs) there you go (laughs) (laughs) all right folks that just about wraps up news talk on uh, a friday edition of the program thank you so much for tuning in we'll be back next week now let's go to sarah strickland with the day in review